Amen. Now let's give Jesus a hand. Can we give Jesus Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end? Glory, glory. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I came to have some church. You ready? You know, years ago, when I first came to the Assemblies of God, there was a little Assembly of God church in a Delta town called Marion, Arkansas. And it was there I heard songs I had never heard before. And this is one of them. <laughs> well, now, glory, glory, glory. Somebody touch me now. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me, glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me, it must have been the hand of the Lord. Well, now while I was praying, somebody touched me while I was praying. Somebody touched me now while I was praying. Somebody touched me, it must have been the hand of the Lord. Now they started singing, oh now Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Oh now Jesus on the main line, oh tell him what you want. Oh Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Oh Jesus on the main line now. Oh, just call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Oh, call him up, call him up, and tell him what you want. Oh, call him up, call him up, and tell him what you want. Oh, Jesus on the main line now. Well, the line is never busy. Tell him what you want. Oh, the line is never busy. Tell him what you want. The line is never busy. Just tell him what you want. Oh, Jesus on the main line now. Why don't you call him up? Call him up. Tell him what you want. Oh, call him up and call him up. Tell him what you want. Oh, call him up. Call him up and tell him what you want. Oh, Jesus on the main line now. Well, now Jesus on the main line now. Hey. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give this worship team a hand. Can we do that? My Lord, my Lord. Man, they'll set your soul on fire. Amen. My Lord, it's so good to be with you tonight. I, I pray that you had a great time this morning. I know I did. And uh, thank you so much for your love and your generosity that you've extended to our family. Most people live from paycheck to paycheck. How many know what I'm talking about? Most people live from paycheck to paycheck. Uh, my wife and I, we live from offering plate to offering plate. And so uh, I wish ExxonMobil took prayer as a method of payment. But I can tell you this, we live exclusively by the generosity of God's people. And we want to thank you for that love and generosity that you've extended to us. And I just want to tell you this. God will give you back. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And if you don't believe that, you just try him in that. You just test him in that. And he'll open up the windows of heaven. Oh, there was a preacher. He got a little cocky, I guess he did, on television a few weeks ago. And he said he didn't believe in tithing. 
Well, he doesn't believe in my God because my God is a blessing God. But you know what? When we give, when we give, we give out of an expression of our heart towards God. But we also give because he says to do so. And uh, it's all his anyway. And, uh, friend, we want to thank you so very much for, for loving us and, and uh, thinking about us. And we just appreciate you so very much. I spoke with my Heather just a few moments ago, and she wishes that she could be here tonight. She watched the live stream service, and uh, she really was blessed by it. But uh, she gives her greetings and her love to you as well. Are you ready to get in the Word of God tonight? If you do, turn with me, please, to the Old Testament, to the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 13, and when you have that, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word tonight? And the Bible says, And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord. Say that with me. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. Look with me there in verse 14, the very first phrase of this verse. The Bible says, and David what? Danced before the Lord with all of his might. And I want to preach just a few moments entitling this message in the form of an invitation. Come and dance with me. Come and dance with me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I ask that you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Move, I ask, in this place tonight, if there's anyone in this room, maybe watching by social media, who has lost their song, maybe they've lost their dance, I pray by your power and your glory tonight that they would leave here singing a new song, a new song to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Years ago, a little boy asked his daddy, he said, Daddy, why is there an American flag standing in the front near the platform of the church? And it was there the father said, Well, son, that flag is standing there representing all of those who died in the service. It was then the little boy said, Daddy, oh no, was it the Sunday morning service or the Sunday evening service? And I believe there is a lot of truth to that because some of us, Let's just be honest, because in our churches today, I think we're lacking some zeal. I think we're lacking some hunger. I think we're lacking some desire. My prayer tonight, my goal tonight, is through the power of the Spirit to gird your heart aflame again for Jesus. Because if you can look back on your life and see where you are more excited about Jesus than you are right now, then darling, you backslid. Revival, I have found, is falling in love with Jesus all over again. I want to ask you tonight, do you love Jesus? Give him a shout. Do you love Jesus in this place? For 70 long years, spiritual darkness had fallen over the nation of Israel. 
For it was during that time the Ark of the Covenant lied in enemy hands. For 70 long years, the Ark of the Covenant which symbolized the power, presence, and promise of God was in enemy hands, away from Jerusalem, away from Israel, away from God's people. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was more than a golden box. It symbolized God Himself. It symbolized His presence, His power. It symbolized God. And for the Ark of the Covenant, to be away from Israel, it was a dangerous thing. It was a sad thing. It was a dark thing. So for 70 long years, the people of God in Israel had lost their song and they had lost their dance. It was during that time a man by the name of Saul would rise to the occasion. He would be man's choice. He would become the king of Israel. And it was him uh, that God would strip the kingdom from. It was during that time that God would take the kingdom from Saul and give it to a young shepherd boy by the name of David. Now listen, this was not automatic. This did not happen in one year, two years, three years. No, listen to me. When, Sam, when Samuel came to Jesse's house and anointed David, from the time David was anointed to the time that he would ascend to the throne, it would be 30 years. 30 years before David would stand and he would be seated at the throne in Jerusalem, and that shows me that God's delays are not His denials. And if God has promised you something, you hold on to it, you stand on it, you believe it. There's over 2,000 promises in the Word of God that you can stand on, that you can believe in, that you can stand on. And those promises are true. For God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. If you believe it, give God a praise here today. There are several things that I want you to notice about this story, this passage, that which we read just a few moments ago. The first thing I want you to notice is David's desire. Say that with me. David's desire. In verse 1 of chapter 6, we see that David has ascended to the throne. David was God's choice. And David would ascend to the throne fulfilling the promise that God had made to him. And the very first order of business that David does as he ascends to the throne is he wants to bring the presence of God back to Jerusalem. His very first order of business, his very first edict is to bring the presence of God, the power of God, the promise of God back to Jerusalem. And so David does uh, what many of us uh, would want to do. How many of you know that we need God in His presence? We need God in His power. It's time that we rise to the occasion. We lift up our hands. We surrender ourselves to Him and say, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you more than anything else. And that is what David is. See, David had a desire. Say desire. David had a desire for God because when David ascended to the throne, his mission and his goal was to make Israel great again. 
His desire, his logo, his mantra was to make Israel great again. And so what did he do? He went with 30,000 of his troops to go fetch that Ark of the Covenant. Now history tells us, especially when it's backed up by the Word of God in Psalms chapter 132 verse 6, that when the Ark of the Covenant is found, it was found in a dilapidated state. It was found in a field of tall grass and high weeds. Why is that? It's because the people were so afraid of the ark, they did not want anything to do with it. Friend, God is a holy God. And might I add that the Spirit is a Holy Spirit, and He wants to move and dwell in our lives, but may we never forget that He is a holy God and has high expectations. David had a desire for God that was untainted. For the scripture says that he would record in Psalms 42, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul longs for thee, so my heart longs for thee. I thirst for God, for the living God. When can I go and be with God? So he desired that ark. He desired that to bring it back to Israel. Let me say this before I go any further with this message. You cannot get anywhere without a desire. There must first be a desire that is unparalleled, a desire that is unmoved, because you know a lot of folks say, I love you in our society. You know that that word is so overused and abused. You hear it all the time. I love you. No, you don't love me. (laughs) Oh, friend, I remember that story. The young man is sitting on the front porch with his bow with his sweetheart, his fiancée. You couldn't even put a straw between them. There I'm sitting on that swing, and he looks at his sweetheart under that starry Texas sky, and he says, sweetie, he said, I would climb the highest mountain for your love. Darling, I would run the farthest distance for your love. Sweetheart, I would swim the deepest ocean for your love. And I'll be here tomorrow if it ain't raining. Some of you say, well, I love Jesus, but you're never in church. You say, I love Jesus, but you never tithe. You say, I love Jesus, but you never lift a hand. You say you love Jesus, but you don't even go to Sunday school, baby. And you say you love God. But yet, when it comes to football or fishing, you're there. Nowadays in our society, we in the church world have to compete with things we never had to compete with before. Let me tell you something. If you really desire God and you want to go after God, you go with Him with everything you have. The Bible says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Call upon me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Who desires God in His Spirit? Who desires Him more than anything else? David had a desire for God that I pray that you have here today, a desire that I pray that I continue to have for the Lord. But while his desire was sincere, you listen to me, while his desire was sincere, 
he was sincerely wrong. Because in verses 3, 4, and 5 of chapter 6, the Bible says, under David's oversight, while David was there in front of those troops, they placed the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. And they broke all of the Levitical law and protocol that was set in place for that ark. You see, under the Levitical law, that ark of the covenant had to be placed on special poles. And every time that ark would be brought in, it had to be brought in in a particular, specific way. And only the Levites were, were, were the ones that could carry that ark. But you see, that ark was placed on a rinky-dink cart made by man. And it was brought in, and uh, as these men were holding this ark on rinky-dink, man-made poles, which symbolize man's method and man's way. The Scripture says that as they were marching with the cart, now listen to me, now the ark of the covenant, it didn't look as pretty as it did under Moses. It had been rained on. The sun had beat down upon it, and it didn't look as grandeur as it once did. And friend, I'm going to tell you this. There may be some gray-haired, wrinkled folks in here. You know about the glory of God. You've seen the power of God. And you may be old, wrinkled, and washed out, but you've seen the power. You've seen the anointing. I'm not going to throw the old generation out because I know they've been somewhere that I want to be. And as they're carrying that old cart, the geography around Jerusalem is very rocky. The terrain is very cumbersome. And because Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains and rocks, the ark began to topsy-turvy because it was on man's method. It was on man's way, on the new cart. And it began to collapse. And when it was about to collapse, there was a soldier by the name of Uzzah. Uzzah reached out his hand in an effort to save it, in an effort to protect it. Don't think that Uzziah was a bad man. He was just trying to save the integrity of the ark. He reaches out, he touches that ark, and as soon as he does, God strikes him dead. Look with me in verse 8. And David was what? Displeased. And David was displeased, the man after God's own heart, the man who loved God, the psalmist. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. You see, we just saw David's desire, but number two, I want you to now see David's discouragement. Say discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever been distraught? And let me be even more specific. Have you ever been discouraged at God? Maybe he didn't save somebody, heal somebody, perform something like you thought he should have. 
And because he didn't do something the way you thought he should have, you got mad and you got disgruntled and you began hitting the wall and kicking the floor and you began to be upset with the God of heaven because he didn't do something the way you wanted him to do it. We've all been there. We've all been at funerals when a baby has died. We've all been at the hospital bed when the cancer has invaded that person's body. We've all been there when the tragic accident occurred and we wondered, God, this doesn't make any sense. What does David do? The Bible says David, the man after God's own heart, was displeased and he was mad at God. Now what does he do? Listen to this. What does he do? Instead of running to God, David runs from God. He washes his hands of the Ark of the Covenant like Pontius Pilate did of Jesus. He washes his hands of it and says, Get this Ark away from me. I don't want it. There's a lot of folks that would probably say that today. Because, listen, when God really starts moving and revival really starts, you see, I believe and I am convinced that a lot of you folks really don't want revival. Because when revival really gets here, there's some sin that needs to be confronted. There are some lifestyles that need to be dealt with. There are some names in the little black book that need to be deleted and removed. There's lifestyles that need to change because when God really starts moving and revival happens, it's more than goosebumps and shout. You see, because God is a holy God and sometimes it ain't easy. But the choice is up to you. You have the choice. The choice is all yours. And instead of running to God, David run from God. And there he is in the palace. He has sent the ark to the house of Obed-Edom. And he's kicking his heels. He's upset at God of heaven. And he is displeased with God, angry at God. Don't look at me all pharisaical and all holy. Because I know you've been there too. I know of the pastors who have given everything. They preach their heart out only to be voted out and left on the side of the road by the ditch. Sometimes, at times, serving God ain't easy. But there ain't no better life. I said there ain't no better life. And David was discouraged. And at that moment, listen to me, David lost his song. And David, the psalmist. Now, you know, I I don't like to brag, but I like to write songs. I love music. And there is nothing worse than a songwriter losing his song. 
There's nothing worse than a guitar player or a piano player losing their song, not wanting to play the, I've been there, church. I know you've been there where you, you know how to play that piano, but it's not in you anymore, where that desire is left. And, and that, uh, that guitar is just laying there in the case in the corner and used to write songs, uh, numerous songs a week, but you ain't touched it in several months. I believe that throughout our Christian journey, there are times where we lose our song and we lose our dance. And that is the reason why sometimes it's hard to worship. Sometimes it's hard and strenuous to lift our hands when you're mad at a God who did things in a different way. But the Bible says His ways are higher than our ways. And God is not only omnipotent, omniscient, He's omnipresent. And He sees things you cannot see. He hears conversations you cannot hear. We are limited to time and space, but God isn't. And because He sees the end from the beginning and knows what is going to happen tomorrow, listen, I can still trust God. I still can trust Him. David is discouraged. David is distraught. And there he is in the mully grubs in the king's palace. Then all of a sudden word gets to him and says, King David, King David, King David, you'll never believe this. You know you said to get rid of the ark and to take it to Obed-Edom's house. He said, King, sire, something unusual has took place. Something unusual, a great phenomenon is happening. Because as you know, Mr. Obed-Edom is not from a family of notoriety. He's not of a background of influence, but we're noticing that the blessing of the Lord is hovering over his house. And we are noticing that everything that Obed-Edom does turns to gold because he has a Midas touch. And there is a blessing on him. And, O oh, King, we believe it's because the ark is there. At that very moment, Something broke in King David. At that moment, something shifted in his heart and life because David, the man after God's own heart, realized the error of his ways. So what did he do? He went back for the ark. Say that with me. He went back for the ark. The ark. The ark that symbolized the power, the presence, and the promise of God. It, it represented the person of Jehovah himself. It was the same ark that they would bring before an army and they would be victorious because Jehovah God was there. And David said, go fetch that ark. It's more than an old wooden box. It's more than just a broke down piece of architecture. No, 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 no. Go fetch Let's go bring it back. Now what do they do? They go and they go find that ark and they change their method. What was the method before? The method was the new cart. 
But no, 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 no. They realize the error of their ways because while a person can be sincere, they can be sincerely wrong. How many of you know the Buddhist is sincere? How many of you know the Muslim is sincere? You know the Muslim prays more than the average Christian prays? The Buddhist in India and Tibet, that they are more devout than a lot of Christians here in America? They're sincere, but sincerely wrong. And David realizes the error of his ways. And so he takes the ark. He has the, Le the Levites take the ark according to Levitical Old Testament protocol. They set it on the right, correct poles. And the Levites take that ark. And friend, listen to me. Every six paces they sacrifice oxen and fatlings to God for appreciation for His holiness, glory, and power. Every six paces they would go, they would sacrifice those cows and cattle to God Himself, thanking Him for His power and His hand upon Israel. But notice that's not all they did. No, that's not all they did because the Bible says as they sacrificed those oxen and fatlings that David would dance before the Lord with all of his might. And the Bible says he was wearing a linen ephod. Now notice that verse of Scripture with me because I am preaching to Pentecostals. And David, what? danced before the Lord with all of his might. When I was 12 and 13 years old, I was playing in honky-tonks and nightclubs in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm not proud of that, but I did learn how to dance. I learned how to two-step, and I learned how to boot-scoot boogies. I learned how to cut a rug. But you know, I've seen more dancing in the honky-tonk than I've ever seen in church. And you know, I know some holier-than-thou, holier-than-thou pharisaic religious people would say, I don't believe in dancing in church. The problem is, they're so sophisticated. They're so altogether that they miss God altogether. The psalmist said, I will praise Him with the harp, I will praise him with the timbrel, and I will praise him with the dance. The Ecclesiastes said there's a time to weep, there's a time to mourn, but there is a time to dance. I'm here to tell somebody, when you dance in the Spirit, you've changed partners. You're dancing for the Lord and with the Lord. And I believe it's time, it's high time in this day that we get our song and our dance back for God. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you sang your heart out, sister? Sir, when's the last time you sung your heart out for Jesus? When's the last time you really cut a rug and you really danced before the Lord? This is more than sheer emotionalism and goosebumps. This is, this is truth. This is this is out of a heart of sincerity because let me tell you, friend, if you've ever sat at the casket of a loved one, if you've ever gone through significant loss in your life, especially unexpected, it can zap 
the song in your heart. You know, there was a story of a bird who was very famous because the bird could sing beautifully. The bird was named Chip. And the, the owner of Chip was very proud, very proud of him. Beautiful voice, beautiful voice. And one day, the lady that owned Chip was vacuuming the floor, and she decided that she was going to vacuum Chip's cage. <laughs> well, she gets out her vacuum hose and begins to vacuum out the cage, and the worst unthinkable thing happened. Chip went... <laughs> Through the vacuum. Woo! She didn't know what to do, so she just, she said, I gotta get him out. So she, she, she took apart the vacuum, she took apart the Dyson, she went and she retrieved the bird. He was covered in dirt and mud and soot. She took him to the bathtub, she turned on the water. Next thing you know, she about drowns the bird in the bathtub. Realizing she's about drowning him, she goes and she gets a blow dryer to dry him off so he doesn't catch cold. And she tries to blow dry him, and in doing so, he looks like a worn-out, washed-out chicken. And in one brief moment, old Chip was sucked up, washed out, and blown dry. And the woman who owned Chip was talking to her neighbor, telling her about the incident. And they said, well, how's Chip doing <laughs> after all that? She said, well, Chip don't sing anymore. <laughs> When's the last time you sang? When's the last time you worshiped? When's the last time you really, you really praised him out of a heart of sincerity and love? Not routinely, not out of motions, not robotically, but when's the time you worshipped him with the heart of spirit and in truth? And David, realizing the error of his ways, realizing that he was foolish because he washed his hands of the ark, the Bible says that as they bring that old broken down ark back to Jerusalem, he dances before the Lord with all of his might. Now listen to me, I want you to get this. The Bible says he was wearing a linen ephod. Now some preachers say that David danced his clothes off. That's unscriptural. He did not dance his clothes off, sister. No, he did not. But let me tell you what David did. David put on, he first took off his kingly garment he took off his robe. He laid down his royal scepter. He took off his kingly crown. And the Bible says he put on the garment of a worshiper. He put on the garment of a priest and began to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says he began to dance Lord, with all of his might, with every fiber of his being, and he danced before him. You know the problem with a lot of folks today, and probably some of you, you're too proud, you're too formal, 
You're too cocky. And you wonder why you never feel anything. You wonder why it seems like God touches everybody but you. I have found this. I'm thankful for the times God sovereignly reached down his hand and he touched me. But I'm telling you there's a miracle in the Bible where there was a woman who was not touched by the sovereign Lord. No, she crawled on her crippled knees with blood, sweat, and tears on cobblestone streets. And as she crawled on the crowd, through the crowd, she reached out and she touched Jesus. Notice Jesus did not touch her, but she touched Jesus. And some say that there was significance by what she touched. They say that the tassel uh, that Jesus wore around his prayer shawl, that that symbolized the covenant and the presence and power of God. And that when she touched that tassel that was from that garment that it symbolized that God was true to his word and she was healed well if you want to believe that that's fine with you but I'm a simple person and when I read the Bible I read it like it is the scripture says and she touched the hem of his garment what is a garment Garment to me is clothes. And Jesus was walking and down that cobblestone road and she reached out to touch the master, breaking every code of the Levitical law because she was ceremonially unclean. And in one instance, she went from a woman to a daughter. She went from being sick to being healed. She went from being a loser to a winner in one touch. Let me ask you, when's the last time you touched Jesus? When's the last time you reached out your hand and you touched him? When's the last time you reached out and gave him a sacrifice of praise? Did you know that every five seconds... A man or woman dies on this planet. Right now you are here by the sovereign plan of God. You could be nine foot under, but you are here and you're in this church tonight singing praises to God because of His mercy, faithfulness, and grace. I'm here to tell you tonight, not only do we see David's desire and David's discouragement, I'm going to leave you with this. We see David's Dance. Say dance. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, with everything that he had. It's interesting that the writer wrote with all of his might. He was not too proud. He was not too arrogant. God could care less, sir, about your trophies, your credentials, your notoriety. Because it's all dung anyway. Let me tell you what God is looking for. God is looking for a pure and contrite heart. David was a man after God's own heart.
And the Bible says he danced before the Lord with everything that he had. I believe right now, those of you watching by social media and those of you here in this church house, that you, through his spirit, you are going to begin to hear the song and the melodies of heaven again. And you've heard that old statement, praise your way through. I think just maybe, just maybe, you are going to praise your way through tonight. You see, because David said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. When the joy is gone, it's nothing but a hassle. When the joy is gone, you wake up on Sunday morning and you say, man, you dread. You can be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in unknown tongues, brother, but when the joy is gone, You're in a miserable state. And David cried out and said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And I believe God in his grace and his mercy bestowed that upon him that day. With every head bowed and eyes closed in this place, I want to ask you a question. I want you to be honest with me. Have you lost your song? Have you lost your dance? You can look back on your life and see where you once had a fervor and vigor for the Lord, and now you're just running on fumes and dying embers. Feel in my spirit today, some of you have gone through some very hard and difficult things. And the enemy has done very good at his job because he's discouraged you and you've been displeased. You in this room today, you might have gone through and experienced the loss of a child, the loss of a loved one. You might have faced financial ruin of a business venture. You might have served the Lord with everything you had only to find out one day your spouse comes and whispers in your ear, I don't love you anymore. Your song, you might say, is gone. If you'd hear me preacher, and you'd say, preacher, brother Ed, I heard your message tonight. And I want my song back. Preacher, I want my dance back. Preacher, you were talking to me. Can I see your hand tonight? Can I see it? Hands lifted. Can I see it? Can I see it? 
hands lifted. One, two, three. You say, preacher, I need my song back. I need my dance back. I need my joy back. I'm going to wait just a few moments. Lift your hands. Be, just be honest with me in this church tonight. You say, preacher, you were talking to me. You were preaching to me. In Jesus' name.